Yo, and welcome to the 52nd and a half episode of Lake of Rage Pokemon Trading Card Game Podcast. That's right, 52nd and a half. We have a bonus episode coming to you, two episodes in your feed this week, because we are the best Pokemon Trading Card Game Podcast, and we want to give you as much content as possible. So we have joining us recurring guest. We had you on almost a year ago, exactly, actually. I think it was about... 40 episodes ago or so we have the liverpool regional champion and our 2018 world's champion robin shoals uh hi what's up <laughs> so we got a very special episode we are going to be talking to robin about the run at liverpool so we're going to learn how did he come to deciding to play the deck as well as you know the rest of the limitless squad deciding to play the deck a little bit about the day one day two run some of the good matchups some of the stuff you enjoyed and then of course the one that i think we all want is learning a little bit about the deck itself because we've seen content creators grab the deck and be like this thing is hard to play and proceed to the dead draw and i'm super curious to hear you uh, defend the deck because I love this thing and I really hope it's good. <laughs> so, it's good. <laughs> okay, I I hope I hope you think it's good. You want a regional? That seems pretty good. <laughs> so, let's start with the first one. We've already heard the rumors. I assume everyone listening to this has already heard it too. Uh, Tord came to you with the deck. Is that true? Yeah. So, like personally, at the, like for most of the format, the first I don't know. Um, few weeks i've been mostly playing uh like actually like meme decks or like, like <laughs> lesser they like something like uh pachirisu facts that's my favorite deck of the hermit currently like, <laughs> don't grow i played that in uh, like uh, the big online tournament and yeah so i haven't really been testing too much of the like arceus and uh, mew and whatever um but then like Two weeks before Liverpool, uh, like our whole group started to like test more seriously, I guess, like going on Discord like almost every night and like trying different stuff, playing with each other. And I don't know, one night I just joined and suddenly everyone's just playing Ushifu. <laughs> and yeah, there's like ten Ushifu lists in chat and uh, everyone's hyped on Ushifu and I don't know what's what's going on, but uh yeah, um, I guess uh, like Todd and the others were like building this very weird Ushifu list that was trying to beat Mew with uh, like some like yoga loop plays with uh, like very weird game plans, and it seemed pretty cool. And uh, like I've played a few games against it with Mew uh, like in the call, and yeah, it was it was holding up. Pretty well and yeah since then um like all of us were considering playing the deck um like it wasn't like a super serious deck at first more like a little bit meme as well but it it was doing pretty well and uh like pedro was actually the biggest believer i think he like, he played it a lot so on the ladder and against uh, the others and yeah, I was, was testing it a lot, and uh, then, like, by the end of the week before Liverpool, uh, like, he was kind of set on playing it, and, like, Todd was, still, like, he, he has played Muse so much that, like, 
and was super confident with Mew, so he just like uh, just like was pretty sure he wanted to play Mew. And us, the others, were like very like unsure what to play. And in the end, we just like joined Pedro uh, on the Yoshi train. How did Pedro convince you over? toward playing Mew. How did Pe- like what did Pedro say to say like, oh, this is definitely the deck that we're gonna play? I think just because the deck is just so it looked just really cool and it I I personally I don't really like playing like the best deck in format, the deck that everyone's trying to beat. Like I know that usually even with people trying to beat like the best deck like Mew, they don't really do it. Like uh you can still do well with the best deck, even if everyone's trying to beat it. But I, I personally, I like prefer playing uh, like a bit more unusual decks that you have actual good matchups that people like don't want to play against. Uh, I think that's like a bit more fun, and also maybe better. I'm not sure. So you're telling me you took fun over optimality, and it just worked out. Personally, I'm also not the most experienced Mew player, and I think if you are playing uh, the best deck, you should be very experienced and have be very confident in all your matchups because everyone's trying to beat your deck, so uh, you should know how to play it pretty much perfectly. And I wasn't that confident in Mew. Like, I've, I've played a decent amount. I think I know most of the game plans, but still, I thought... I've, Felt more comfortable playing uh, like something else, and the sushi food deck was definitely something else. And uh, yeah, so it seemed to have the answers against everything. And even though it's like not the most consistent deck, um, I think it was a pretty good choice. Yeah, and it, it ended up working out, of course. I love that it was a pretty good choice. <laughs> I would definitely agree with that. It seems to have worked out as well as it could have. Yeah, like uh, unfortunately, like the others, all lost their win it into day two, but played the deck um, because the deck does have its problems, of course. But yeah, for for me, it worked out. So I'm curious, and this is something I always want to ask top players: is how much testing did you do? Because you say like, oh, I didn't play much Mew. Is this like toward level if I didn't play much, where like you've only played four or five hundred games, or is this like I played it twice and I didn't like it? No, no, I've played like below fifty games with Mew. I think it's, I I would consider like fifty games to be like definitely like, and I guess like ten is like little, and then if you go up to fifty, that's usually enough. Uh, after like hundred or something, I don't think that like you don't you might still get better at certain matchups or whatever, but you should already feel comfortable with a deck after way less than 100 games i think okay that's just that's good advice for me to hear because i'm always curious you know you hear toward like oh i've been repping this out 12 hours a day for two weeks and it's like i have not done that (laughs) i don't think anyone actually does that i mean there are some people but that's that's a bit much for sure so it's like once you've played a handful of games you're like man this is fine i've done enough Mm, yeah how about for urshifu how much did you play with this specific build or even do you count i guess okay here's the first question is 
do you count watching and chatting with your teammates in a discord call as reps for yourself it depends if i'm very focused on the game that someone else is playing and thinking through all the plays discussing with them then yes but if i'm just like chilling in the call not like just watching over the games a little bit then not really it really really depends how how focused and yeah it's it's always best to just play the deck yourself because then you actually have to do the actions and that's that's also just watching is good and discussing plays but you should also play the deck yourself it's pretty important i think and then how much did you actually play the deck yourself honestly too little i I played a little bit against it, and then I had one, e- like a, one evening where I played. Uh, so the main testing I did was just against Mew with the. It was like I don't know, like five hours or so playing just playing against Pedro, and discussing all like he was looking at my hand, discussing all the plays with me. Like, um, so that was that was very important. Um, and that that gave me the confidence to play the deck uh, because the new matchup was obviously the most important one. But other than that, I played a few games on the ladder, and uh, yeah, it was was doing fine against random decks. So uh, yeah, I just I decided to go with it. But I didn't I didn't play it that much against non-new matchups, which uh, I should have. Um, but the thought was just. Against other decks, you're just an Ushifu deck. You should be fine. Just like, do whatever. We even like uh, put in the, the Cheryl because that's this just makes it even better against everything that's not new. And with the especially just the log- logic, yeah, you, you you try to beat Mew and then the others, you're worse Ushifu deck, but you should should still be good enough. And uh, yeah, but I I definitely would have liked to have tested some other matchups as well like looking back at it because like it it worked out in the tournament but i wasn't prepared nearly as well as i uh should have so i'm i heard the like oh you're just still an urshifu deck against the jank which is something that i've definitely seen i was watching sack stream who was our you know tuesday guest we were talking about the liverpool results and he's like this deck isn't hard to play just because he's spamming rapid flow because you're like, well, Raihan Rapid Flow, Raihan Rapid Flow, you know, that kind of stuff. How many games do you actually get to pull out where you're just like, well, I'm just an Urshifu deck and I win because I'm Urshifu? Or like, how many matchups, I guess, would be better than how many games? Versus like, oh, you have to do all these fancy little plays to actually make stuff happen. Uh, most of my matches and matchups I faced, I played against quite a few Arceus decks and... uh I play against two Mews and two Mana Masks. Against those decks, I guess you have to have a like, specific game plan or something. But against the other, pretty much every other matchup, you just, you just do wish it for things and uh, hope that's enough. So let's jump into how the tournament run went, and then we'll get back to the deck or we'll get there. And I have a million questions, of course, but I want to start with round one. Even if your round one wasn't exciting, first tournament, first IRL big CP tournament in two years. How are you feeling sitting down for round one? What's going through your head? Like, what does it feel like? Uh, it felt just like uh, you know, being at a tournament. It didn't really feel that much different than usual. Just being at the tournament again. And it felt like I felt uh, just uh, 
like I was back, like back home. I don't know. So like it should be. So it's just like the old analogy of like, it's like riding a bike. You never forget. Yeah, pretty much like it. It didn't feel like, uh, like looking back, like the pandemic time definitely felt like a long time. But when I was back at the tournament, it felt like it just nothing changed. Like was like uh, the last tournament was like two weeks ago or something. Was there any rust initially you had to like shake off or are you just like, nope, I got this. I know how to prize check. I've got my sequencing of your real life cards down. And the prize checking was funny actually, because on Friday after like uh, we arrived at the, like our Airbnb, uh, we didn't really play test, but uh, what was, like, I haven't really played IRL in like, yeah, basically since tournament stopped and, uh, um, with the price checking, like we, we played the deck on PCGO only and on PCGO price checking is much easier, of course. And with the deck price checking is pretty important. So we were all like super worried about, uh, the price checking part. So, uh, on Friday, we just like took our, our decks and was just like setting up and checking prices like for, for quite a bit. And, uh, it was actually. Better than expected. I, I expected to, to it to be really hard to price check IRL, uh, with, especially with all these one-offs, but it turned out to be okay. Like, it, it was uh, easier than expected. So it, uh, it, it, yeah, it turned out being all right. Is this why you play only full art supporters or is that just a preference of I like full art supporters? Yeah, the, the full art supporters definitely help with price checking, but I also would play them anyway because they are nicer but they're, they're, that's definitely it i think it's it's pretty helpful because the supporters checking the supporters is really important uh next to the one of pokemon of course so can you walk us through some of the stuff that happened on day one maybe some of the like better matchups or scarier matchups or things that kind of happened through that first day so you sat down you're good to go and it went pretty well but like what what are some of the things that happened on that day one Day one was quite a struggle for me, actually. I ended up uh, having four ties and five wins in the end, so barely made it in uh, with, uh, yeah. My matchups were okay. I faced two Urshifu Melonies, which I considered my worst matchup um, before the tournament. So that was a bit uh, unfortunate because they can just rapid flow much easier than, than I do. And the Urshifu Mirrors, Pretty much just who can rapid flow more. Um, so that was scary, but my opponents in those games didn't draw perfectly. So I got away with one win and one tie there. So that was, that was nice. Real but, quick, before going into other ones, you say Urshifu Melanie, and my initial thought is, what? Were you expecting to play the Urshifu Mirror at all outside of your teammates? Uh, no, not really. I thought there might be people trying deck but it it just it's not good against Mew so I wouldn't really expect <laughs> two of them okay cool because I hit one Urshifu in Salt Lake City and I was like what are you doing here like go to last format you shouldn't be here right now <laughs> so okay it's good to know uh what else did you hit in that day then I played against one Mew which I won uh which that was actually round one uh 
like the kind of the most stressful matchup at the beginning. But uh, yeah, my opponent wasn't very experienced playing against the Moltres deck, so it it was uh, like that was fine. And yeah, besides the two uh, Melanie Ushifus, my matchups were quite good. Um, I think I actually ended up tying against Gengar, which uh, was a bit unfortunate. But they can actually one kill Ushifu, so it's not like that easy. It's if you stumble a bit, you you can pretty easily lose. Uh, so, and I also tied against one uh, Arceus Intellion, which. Uh, should also usually be a win, but um, yeah, so that was two ties that uh, against presumably good matchups, so that was a bit uh, unfortunate. But then uh, in the like last rounds, I faced another Arceus, which I then won, and an Ice Rider. And in my win it in, the last round I needed to win, I actually played against Jolteon, <laughs> so that was nice. So these ties that came from these ties that should have been good matchups, I assume, was there a Dunsparce in the Arceus list to at least make it hard? Yeah, like every single Arceus I played against had Dunsparce. Okay, cool. I think like everyone at Liverpool played Dunsparce in their decks, which makes sense because you don't want to lose against random fighting stuff like a Stonejourner or Hariyama. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like not even just Ushifu decks. Just, there's so many random fighting decks in all kind of decks. So I think you definitely have to play Dunsparce. Were these ties then like, is this a product of playing the deck for, you know, the first handful of times IRL? Is the deck just a slow deck? Like, why weren't you we able to finish the three games in time? I think it's a combination of everything. So, first of all, I wasn't very experienced with the deck, so I definitely could have played faster. Also, my opponents uh, were also not very experienced probably playing against it, so I also didn't play that fast. And of course, it's the first IRL tournament back, so it's like maybe people play a bit slower in general. And also, the deck is just not the fastest because it's very reactive. Even in like the Arceus matchups, it's the games can take quite a while. Like for example, against Mew, if if they just don't want to take prizes, just Oricorio forever or something, then the game literally never finishes. So it's it's a uh, if you just play a deck like Mew, that's much nicer for best of three, where you can just like win in a few turns. Whereas with Urshifu, especially with this Urshifu list, you you you, you don't just win. Uh, you, it, it takes a while. So yeah, that that aspect was definitely a bit annoying. And uh, yeah, maybe even like underestimated fifty minutes a bit, uh, like at this tournament. So going into day two, you're 504. How does this feel? Because I'm assuming you've been into day two at 621 or higher before. But how does 504 feel? What are you thinking with that record? Um, I wasn't really expecting to do that well in day two. Um, after day one, where I barely got into day two. Um, uh, so yeah, it didn't didn't feel very convincing, especially with everyone else losing their win and dins. And uh, so I didn't. I, I liked the deck. I, I mean, I didn't lose, and I still felt like I had mostly just good matchups. But yeah, it it was uh, not the most convincing of day twos ever. 
Are you the type of person, and I am this type of person, so I have to ask, who goes to Pokestats keeping track of the day two decks when you're going into day two and is like constantly refreshing and trying to memorize who's got what? You've got it pulled up on your phone, ready to go, or you just like, I'll see what happens. No, I, and like after day one, I just like went to dinner and was like out for actually quite a while. And also, we had this time shift time so uh the daylight savings time change so got to, like even one hour less of sleep so that was uh day, day two was, was like kind of tough with uh, the, the amount of sleep and everything i think a lot of people were was struggling with that um but yeah i didn't really uh check what yeah, it's like on the on day two uh when i got like my par pairings i for most rounds i checked on, on poker stats but that was just like just right before the round so do you think it helped your like experience as a dev and a college student who just like I assume has a very unusual sleep schedule and is used to, you know, lack of sleep? Do you think that helped you in that day too? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Had to ask cuz I think every computer science person I know or every dev I know is just like some nights you get called to go do maintenance and you just don't sleep that night. <laughs> Day two. So you have to do very well. You're 504. You barely scraped by. You've got to win presumably four to make it to. Yeah. And you're well aware um, of that, I assume, right? Um, yes. I think I, when I'm playing in day two, I'm basically just trying to like go one game at a time, just try to win everything and then see what happens. Not like I stress too much about, oh, I can't lose. I need to win or whatever. It's just, just, just play and see. I feel like that's really good advice for everyone. Like, no matter what, day one, day two, just like, just play this round and then worry about it later. So, what happened in day two? Like, obviously, we know it went pretty well, but <laughs> heading into those rounds 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Day two went uh, really well, actually. First two rounds, I played against Arceus decks and ended up winning both of I don't know if I lost the game, but. Usually, whenever I won a round, it was like a 2-0 because it's just so hard to finish uh, three games. Then after those two Arceus decks, I played against the Hariyama deck, which well, was also just a good matchup for uh, Urshifu. Yeah, do you ever like, lose that matchup? Or like any single prize, anything without Manaphy? Uh, well, if I draw really bad, it's possible, but... Um, yeah, it's overall it's definitely fine. Like the the Hariyama deck didn't even play mana fee. It wasn't built to beat Urshifu at all. So yeah. <laughs> imagine not teching for Urshifu. <laughs> it's so. a it's a nice thing about playing a kind of unexpected deck, right? Like every round, basically, like especially like in day two, every round my opponent was like, "Oh no, I I'm gonna lose," <laughs> even before the match, and uh, yeah, that's. That's that's the nice a nice thing if you if you have that going for you. Is it like over there? Like it used to be over here. So in NA, it was always what's DDG playing? What's DDG playing? What's DDG playing? So over there, is it like what's the Limitless crew playing? What are they playing? And like everyone knows your deck after round one. I don't know. Actually, I haven't had much talk about that. Um, but also in day one, I I, I barely seen anything that's going on because i was in timeout almost every round uh, it's uh yeah all right so day two 
two Arceus decks, a Hariyama deck. Shout out to them for getting top 32 with that. And then round, whatever, round 13? Round 13. What do you hit? Yeah. Around 13, and I actually played against Tort. Uh, this was my second Mew matchup of the tournament. And, um, which, of course, is scary playing against Tort. Um, but I, in this round, I drew perfectly. Like, this was like the best two draws of the tournament, <laughs> and he could do nothing. Like, I, I had everything. I didn't price a single thing, basically. And yeah, he, he basically got destroyed. This was like, I drew, like, I couldn't have. <laughs> Drawn, drawn better in those games. That was just, uh, that was incredible. This is the matchup I think. Correction, I don't, I don't care what everyone else wants. This is the matchup I want to hear because <laughs> this feels like it would have been a slightly better finals match than I assume the finals match was. I've seen, I've watched Pedro stream and watched the Malamar matchup, and it looks literally unlosable. <laughs> Actually, the finals was uh, was not that easy. Uh, also, I kind of messed up in game one of the finals, but I got got lucky. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I did it. I I think I think the mana matchup is good, but I think Pedro is exaggerating it a little bit. <laughs> I mean, that is something he does tend to do. I've I've definitely heard him say things are auto wins that are just like slightly good matchups. So, yeah. when you say you drew perfectly against Mew. What does drawing perfectly like look like? So like game one, I I won a coin flip, so I got to go second. I had to keep calling immediately, then into the Cynthia, into the Zinnia, into drawing <laughs> a lot of energies, and it's like I just didn't with anything. I yeah, <laughs> I, I got everything I wanted basically. And like, it's important to not price like your Hoopa, your Moltres. Uh, your boss, your like, like Medicham, whatever, whatever you like need, uh, depending on how the game goes. So yeah, I, my prizes were like, I don't know, some, I don't, probably some incense or level boards or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and like in the second game, it was pretty much the same. Like where I had to go first, but I opened like triple basic naturally, so I didn't need need to call, keep calling immediately. And I didn't press a, I didn't start the two prize, which is really important. Um, so yeah, just, just went really well. That's the dream for an Inteleon. Just draw so well you don't have to keep calling is like, you feel invincible at that point, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I might have still used keep calling afterwards, I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I had a lot of basics even going first, which is usually very scary because you can like fall behind uh, quite easily. And keep calling is one of those attacks where like sometimes, even if you have like two more Sobbles in hand, you know the third one's in deck. It doesn't hurt to be like, well, I'm going to go get it and get the energy in the discard for the Raihan play, which actually, I don't know if that's probably not the way your matchup goes specifically in this deck, but it never hurts, I assume. So when you say you got won the coin flip and got to go second, is that specifically against Mew or is that just what this deck wants to do? Uh, I, I would second every single round. Like It's against Mew, it's important because then you basically just get one extra turn. But against, in the deck just doesn't work without keep calling. You always have to use keep calling. So, I, like, I'm technically, I was, I'm supposed to go first against Arceus, at least according <laughs> to Pedro, but I, I just went second anyway. Because every time I choose to go first, I just open Sobble Energy Pass, and uh, it just feels bad. 
so yeah, I, I also I think on day one I lost all nine coin flips, but I always got <laughs> got the, what I wanted. I always got to go second. So that's just playing a going second deck in this format, especially if people don't know you want to go second, is so nice. Yeah, did any of your opponents figure it out? Obviously, when you lose the coin flip, that's a little different. But did they ever like lose game one and say, "Oh, I should go second to stop that from happening"? No, I think I got to go second like literally every game of. <laughs> Except I guess against Todd and maybe like in, in top eight against Malam, I also had to go first. But other than that, I think I just got to go second every single game. <laughs> This is the happiest I've ever heard someone be saying they lost all nine of their coin flips. Yeah, I'm still not sure if I'm supposed to go first or second against Arceus, but I <laughs> against this matchup I don't particularly care, I guess. But yeah, it's 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 definitely going second deck. And that's a, that's a big advantage, just uh getting to do that every round. <laughs> It sounds amazing because when you play a deck that wants to go first, you're like, oh, I have to get Arceus energy and be going first. It's uh, it's not a super feels good when you have to go second and don't hit that double turbo energy. So then you're 4-0 on day two. So you're... Yes, I can't and then I that. could ID the last round. 9-0-4. So you can ID into 9-0-5. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they two went like, perfectly, pretty much. Are you looking at the bracket and like planning everything out, or is top eight still just like, well, I'll beat this person and then I'll play the next round and I'll beat them and then we'll be good to go? Like, how prepped are you for that top eight? Yeah, I saw that if I won top eight, I am in the same bracket as Sander with his control deck uh, into top four. So that was scary. Um, is that your worst matchup, you think? I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I did play it, but. It is scary, at least, and he played Manafi, and he had like the Dusk not to shut off rapid energies and everything. So I assume it was probably a bad matchup. I I don't know, but I, I don't <laughs> know if I can beat him. But I but he lost top eight, so I avoided having to find out, which was which was nice. The Dusknor is definitely something that just always seemed to body Urshifu. Of course, gosh, I mean, what even would you attack? Like, what would I know this is a complete hypothetical. What would even a game plan look like for you in that? I don't know. Probably like <laughs> try to take out Manafi with like uh, quick shootings and yoga loops and then do some rapid flows. Hope Dustin doesn't hit the board. <laughs> it, I don't know. It's one you'd have to play, it sounds like, to have any idea um, where to go with it, right? In, I would probably lose the matchup if I had to guess, but. I don't know. But thankfully that didn't happen. You won top eight, yeah. and then who'd you play or what'd you play against in top eight? In top eight I played against Joe with Malama. Okay. Um, which was actually funny. In in the first game, I won coin flip, went second, and he just went in K pass and I opened <laughs> Quick Ball, Dark Energy, Scoop Up Net, uh, for my Hoopa and <laughs> donked him in the first game. How many Hoopa donks did you get in the tournament? Uh, just a single one. Just one. That's a perfect time uh, to get it, though. <laughs> yeah. So that's a big well, feels good. It's really funny if I dunked someone with Hoopa and then it actually happened in top eight. That was, <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> that's got to feel so good. It's like, well, I guess I win. I'll take it. Yeah. How, how'd the rest of the Malamar matchup go? I guess it's between this one and then also finals if you want to get into that one too, but 
The second match was uh, much closer. Like he was trying to keep 4 in K in play at all times, because otherwise I can just Yuga look the one and then uh, rep flow the other two. Mm -hmm. And if they manage to keep 4 in K slash Malama in play all, at all times, it's kind of annoying, and because you can't really use rapid flow, then the fourth one just evolves and uh, knocks you out for free prizes. So that's kind of problematic, but um, I mean, I can still like KO Yoga Loop like one and then I don't know, KO some other. Also, he didn't play boss, so I could like just um, like put my Lady Chum put down like freely and uh, he couldn't really punish it, which was nice. And Did you know he played rope instead of boss? Um, I, I wasn't sure, but I, I assumed so. Okay. So, like, I, like, when I play Malama, I just don't play, like, boss. I, I just hate playing boss in Malama. It just feels so bad drawing it every time, but against Ushifu specifically, it gives you, like, like, it, it helps for sure, because mm -hmm. otherwise the Ushifu player has, like, has it kind of easy. Um, but eventually, like, he couldn't get his fourth inke down, and then I just had, like, full combo and, uh, yeah, and won. So is that combo, that primary win condition of yoga loop into rapid flow, take out all the inkes? Yeah, pretty much. And once you get that once, uh, even if I put down inkes again, you, you can just do it again. <laughs> it's so, so good. Yeah, you, you usually win after that. But in the finals, I actually messed up <laughs> the combo. I, I'm not exactly sure how that happened, but I, like, after doing, like, quick shooting, net, quick shooting, I didn't, I ended up without another drizzle in play. I guess I had, like, something different in mind, or I don't know, it just didn't evolve it, but that gave him an opening, and I actually would have lost if he didn't price his boss, because then he could have KO'd my uh Urshi from the bench but he priced his boss <laughs> so that was very fortunate we take those uh but then the second game uh, he had a really slow start and uh yeah he basically had no chance in the second game so like yeah he, he was like breaking for the first three turns and just gave me so much time to set up my whole entire online and everything and yeah i assume by the time you get like quick shootings up it's like well I, this game is in control for me if you haven't taken a couple knockouts as the Malamar player. Yeah, like if, like if they didn't even take like free prizes, you can even you could even just rapid flow and just give it give Ushifu to them, and it wouldn't really matter that much. So they, I guess their their main win condition is just uh, like drawing prizes quickly and like keeping. All for in K in play. Like Manafi would also help, I guess, but they didn't play Manafi because Manafi in Malama sucks, obviously. So. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I've had people ask me about because our locals love Rapid Strike Malamar, and they're like, "Do I play a Manafi?" It's like, well, it might win you one matchup, but isn't it going to lose a bunch of others? Because you draw into the Manafi, and then you're like, "Well, I have a dead you card." You would run to your Manafi with the knockout because of that, and yeah, yeah, it seems like it would lose way more matchups than it would win for that deck. Yeah, usually I would play Manafi in single price decks, but in Malama, you just can't play non-rapid strike cards. It's just so bad. No, like you, I'm I'm so torn on boss because it's like, it really helps in certain situations. Like you said, against Urshifu, for example, being able to boss KO an Urshifu V is a realistic play. 
but also how many games does boss lose because your second turn you go cynthia draw into your boss and it never leaves your hand so it's it's definitely yeah. one of those texts that it's so debatable i don't know i don't play enough malamar i refuse to touch the deck it feels like solitaire and i hate it yeah, it's it's, it's definitely I that's a I I like just playing it on the ladder just because it's literally a solitaire deck. You just like <laughs> it's very chill. You don't really have I mean, you have to think. You have to know how your deck functions, but you don't have to really consider what your opponent is doing. You just you just do your thing. Yeah, you're just like I'm gonna KO the active. How many do I need? Okay, let's draw that many, and we're good to go. Yeah. So I want to ask a little bit about the deck. So we already learned the backstory to it, and there was some stuff in the matchups, but I want to dive a little deeper into the specifics of the matchups, specifically like the big ones. So let's start with the Mew matchup, because I think this is the most important one. You mentioned the Hoopa. Like you said, like you gave us a spark notes of what I assume could be a two-hour-long explanation of the Mew matchup. But why the heck is Hoopa good in the Mew matchup? That one I don't get, and I want to know. Uh, so there's basically like two scenarios, uh, two main scenarios in the matchup, and like either they put down Oricorio or they don't. And in both scenarios, uh, Hoopa is really good because if they use Oricorio, then you can uh, do use Hoopa to do 70 damage to either Meloetta or Oricorio itself. Um, and this then sets up a yoga loop play. Then you can, once you do 70 damage to an Oricorio or a Meloetta, you can, you just need to at any point take two prizes with a Moltres boss on a Mew or Genesect or whatever. And then you can yoga loop the thing with 70 damage, put down Urshifu with an energy or like Raihan to it, and then uh, take your last three prizes with a Rapid Flow on Oricorio and the Genesect or, yeah, usually a Genesect. And if they don't use Oricorio, then you just use Super to. Then you basically just. You, you can still go for Yoga Loop plays, but you can also just uh, play straight up Hoopa Moltres with like the one Clara and the one Pulpit and just KO Meloetta with Hoopa, KO Mew with Moltres, and yeah, just, just play the basic um, dark strategy. Interesting. So you're going full blown, like. This is one of the things that. And Jake mentioned this on Twitter, and I was like. That sounds good, but also giving a free two-prizer feels really sketchy. So you are using the Oracore to the advantage of like, well, I'm still going to hit your Meloetta. And yeah, you then... never give up two-prizes, because once you use the two-prizes, you already won. <laughs> okay, so by the point you're using the Yoga Loop into the Rapid Flow, you're like, I just win the game here. Yeah, so you set up the 70 damage, and then you also have to take two prizes. At some point, you just boss a you with Moltres usually. Like you have like three turns to do it, so it's it's very doable. And then you have four prizes. Yoga loop the Oricorio Meloetta, and then uh, like usually it's Meloetta. So then you add three prizes, and then you just rapid flow for game. And you put on the Urshifu the turn you Yoga loop, so they can't ever boss KO anything. You just uh, yeah, you you don't use the two prizes until you literally just win with them. And I assume this is where the Zinnias comes into play because you go like Cynthia to get a massive hand and you follow that up with like a Zinnia at some point in order to hit all these combo pieces. Yeah, against Mew, that's that, that's basically why the support lineup is so weird. Um, because the deck is just designed with basically only the Mew matchup in mind. And <laughs> against Mew, your plan is you Cynthia turn two and turn three, you Zinnia. 
-hmm. And then you use like Sonia, usually you use Sonia as well to find two energy. And uh, sometimes, like usually you also have to use Peonia. Um, but yeah, like you almost always use Cynthia and Tuzinia against Mew. And they don't touch your hand ever, so you can just... Uh, you just build like a 20 card hand with all, uh, like your whole combo, and they can't disrupt you, which is like the whole point of the deck. So that's another thing that, and I tweeted this out, I don't know if you saw it, but looking at the top eight lists, there were two copies of Marnie's in all the top eight decks, but there were three copies of Clara, and there were three Sharon's Care, and you know, there's just like, no one was playing Marnie that was successful in this tournament, it looked like. Was this yeah, a... I mean, no, no deck just plays Mani at the moment, right? It's like Mew never... It, it sometimes plays like a Judge or a Mani, but they very rarely do that. And Malamar never plays uh, Mani. And I mean, Arceus plays like one or two Manis, uh, but that's basically the only deck. And against Arceus, even if they Mani... Like against Arceus, you don't play like the whole combo strategy. You just play Urshifu, so that's fine. And against... The matchups where you want to have like a 15 card hand with uh, like a very specific five card combo, those don't ever play money, at least at the moment. So that was definitely something we uh, assumed going into the tournament. And if we just hit a Mew with a money, that would have been a straight up order loss. <laughs> Impossible to beat. But yeah, we just assumed that no one would do that. So that was part of the meta call. Like you, you were well aware that Marnie was not going to be played in this tournament. Yeah, at least not in the decks that uh, we really don't want to see. <laughs> so, okay, that answers a big question because that feels like one of the things playing the deck and someone Marnie spams you and you're like, I, what do I do here? It feels like Marnie just bodies you. Yeah, Marnie is definitely annoying. Like Even against Arceus decks where you have, you, you should still be fine because you're Oshifu deck, but... I there were definitely a lot of games where I just got money against Arceus and uh, either lost or almost lost because of that. So that's definitely a big weak point of the deck. So how about the Arceus? Let's just go with the basic Arceus and Teleon because I think that would be the scariest for this deck. I don't even know if that's true. Are there any Arceus decks that you don't want to see? Um, I played against one Arceus Ushifu and that was kind of scary because it could just rapid flow my results. Um, and that was that was definitely the scariest. Arceus and Talion is I mean it's it's the best Arceus deck, just uh, which makes it kind of scary because they always have whatever they want to do. But um, yeah, as overall, it's it's usually fine. It's like if they have the dance pass, you like if they don't attach a big jump to it, you can just uh, yoga loop it, like with quick shooting, net, quick shooting, yoga loop, and then get a free uh, gay thrust onto the Arceus. And even if they play big jump, they usually don't uh, attach the big jump, they usually don't play mana fee, so you can just uh, rapid flow and then go gay thrust uh, two times. So if you draw reasonably well, you should usually always beat Arceus decks. So is Yoga Loop one of the like biggest strategies of the stack? Because I was expecting you to say, oh, you just uh, rapid flow the done sparse, but you're saying, oh, setting up a Yoga Loop play is one of the best things to do. So like, are you Yoga Looping in like almost every matchup? 
But if you yoga loop it, they can't just clear it back immediately or something, which is just uh, nice. And yeah, yoga loop is definitely like uh, one of the most important attacks on the deck. It, without Medicham, it wouldn't work. It's like you wouldn't beat Mew, you wouldn't beat Malama probably. Against Arceus, you don't need it. I actually didn't end up using it that much against the Arceus matchups, but I probably should have used it more. Um, yeah, like Medicham is definitely the MVP of the deck, like one of the MVPs. Awesome. That's super good to hear because that's that feels like a strategy that I need to think about. <laughs> Were there any other matches? It sounds like everything else you've went through was just like, well, you can just kind of rapid flow and be an Urshifu deck against something like Single Strike, which is apparently still a deck somehow, or the Melanie deck. Yeah, like most matchups were either just Arceus and you just like weapon flow once, Gale Frost twice, or maybe like Yoga Loop. Uh, then well, there's Gengar, it's basically also just like you attack with Urshifu if you can. Single price matchups are also uh, like, yeah, you do like Yoga Loop or Rapid Flow, or whatever. So, like the Urshifu is just really good in the meta game against anything that's uh, not new. So, like the, the other matchups were, yeah, just like Urshifu usually carries those. And I didn't really use. Like the darkness Pokemon, much uh, outside of uh, like Mew or Malama. So you're not dropping the Moltres for the big like 220 or 270 turns. It's literally there for the Mew matchup and just be like, well, I'm gonna Oko you or I'm gonna Gale Thrust KO your Dark or Fighting Week thing. Yeah, it's pretty hard. Like against decks with Mani, it's just almost impossible to use the Moltres because they. Yeah, they, they just harm you, and then you have it's you don't play that many energies or that many outs to Moldrus even. Um, so yeah, the the whole darkness package is uh, is pretty reliant on just like building a hand and like getting like Sonia for two energies, and then next turn maybe you like you use those energies or like even two turns later. In regular matchups, it doesn't really have much use. Like the Hooper can be nice um, sometimes, but also not, not not really. So moving forward, EUIC is coming up. Is this a deck that like is a strong consideration for you, or should people consider it? Or was this a hey, this is really strong in the meta, and we built it specifically for this meta, and now things are changing? Like, I'm not sure. And it's still uh, good against like Arceus decks and most things. But um, like if people let you go first, that's that's kind of a problem in general. If maybe some Malama players start playing the Manafi, even though it's not really good in Malama, then that's it's still fine. But it makes the matchup definitely harder. And if like the single price decks play mana fee, that's then you also it just makes you have to draw better. And yeah, in this tournament it was really nice, like getting to go second, people don't really have anything against you in the deck. So you even if you draw suboptimally, you're you're oftentimes fine. But it would definitely get harder at EYC now. Um and the deck isn't the most consistent. Um so like bad starts 
if if they get punished like regularly, that's that would definitely be uh, a problem. Also, you might just run into like new players with money now, which would be a like you just you basically can't beat that. Um, or even like an Arceus Italian player with mana fee would also be like like if you like brick for like one or two turns against Arceus with mana fee, you probably also lose. It's uh, I'm not sure. I think the deck's still fine. Uh, it's a strong deck, but I don't know if I would still play it at future tournaments. There's one card that I haven't heard you mention once, and it feels like it sticks out in the list. Gormandai's Snorlax. How did it find its way in the list, and was it actually useful? And Snorlax is like Snorlax is like the one of the best cards just in general for for setup. Uh, if you don't want to put a Crobat or something at two price and play, Snorlax, uh, so uh, it just does the job. It's I think like the main purpose of it to make it easier to use Peonia because uh, like you can't really like you of course can't play a draw supporter and a Peonia, but sometimes you might. You need also need to draw cards while using uh, Peonia, especially against Mew. So the Snorlax is kind of there for that. Also, uh, I mean, it lets you draw cards out of a quick ball, and I think it has. It's basically our re research kind of. It's, but it's just like it's a different kind of draw supporter. It just uh, makes the deck a bit more consistent. I, know, like, I really like playing Snorlax in, in almost any deck which just doesn't want to attack immediately from turn 1 or 2. It's uh, just a good card. So where would you put Snorlax? Because I think you're one of the first people I've heard really talk about how good Snorlax is, which makes sense. When this, that set came out, I was like, this is like the first or second best card in the deck. Because it's just like, it's ridiculous, right? But like, can you sell us? like all the listeners on Snorlax a bit like should this be played in more decks or is this really just like well my deck wants to make comebacks and make these plays so that's why we had the Snorlax in there if you play a deck which wants to attack turn two like for damage then you probably don't want Snorlax I mean I could see playing a Snorlax and Arceus or something wouldn't be the worst thing but you're probably fine without it. But in Ushifu, it, it fits kind of well. It's not like mandatory inclusion. You could cut it. Uh, compared to like most other cards, it's like less important, but it's just really nice to have. And uh, yeah, it can just save you from uh, bricking. And yeah, that's that's certainly valuable. One of my mods keeps trying to convince me that Snorlax is broken in single strike. <laughs> do you think this is one of those situations where like well you usually don't attack on turn one correction you never attack on turn one with that deck is, is that the type of deck that you would see snorlax i just want to see if you can give him a bone of like yes <laughs> you're doing the right thing maybe that snorlax is best in decks of it uh where you play nets i think because you kind of want to be able to get him out of play um, but in, in general, I think one prizer decks, uh, especially if also with Nets, they usually benefit from Sonics because they don't need to attack immediately. And they, yeah, they can really benefit from uh, just uh, like drawing some more cards. 
In, uh, in, in single strike, I don't really like playing non single strike cards. Like, like, even like the liberal is kind of sus because you also have to play like then balloons and everything with it because you can't attach single strike energies to it. And then you can, I think, I think there's actually a lot of uh, games where like a single strike player with a, a liberal or something can just get decked out by a boss liberal, especially like a boss tool scrapper, and they just literally just can't, can't get it out of the active ever. <laughs> so. So so may, maybe not in single strike. All right, um, I, I will relay that may, message. Maybe not. Show. It depends <laughs> on the list. Like, if if people can just like quick shooting you forever while the Snorlax sits there in the active, then you probably shouldn't play it. Are there any other pieces of this list that you feel like, hey, this was really good, and I want to sell people on it, or is everything else just like, yeah, it's fine? Of. Oh. I think the list was uh, like really good. I um, I would I would maybe change one card at most, but other than that, like everything has its purpose. Um, like, I guess you the Snorlax is probably like the most cuttable of the the Pokemon. Everything else you kind of need for matchups, but Snorlax still nice. And like all the trainers, you also kind of need and the energies you also need. Uh, it's uh, yeah, I think it's it's difficult to uh, change the list. I've got two more. As you were mentioning the trainers, it reminded me of Bird Keeper. Why is there Bird Keeper in the list? Bird Keeper, I guess Bird Keeper is like the one supporter which doesn't have a specific purpose in the deck, but it's just a really good Urshifu card. It's uh, when you're playing like against Arceus and everything playing a Urshifu deck. It's it's a bit worse than a regular Urshifu deck, but it gets the job done. And that's mostly because of just Bird Keeper. It's like without Bird Keeper, you wouldn't really be able to give Rust back to back. I give the one tower, which is really important. Um, but yeah, Bird Keeper being just giving you like the free Gave Rust and also uh, like being able to recover from Port Pad. And it's like, it's like, uh, it's a draw supporter, which doesn't have like a condition, unlike Xenia and Cynthia. Um, like Birdkeeper 100% belongs into the deck, I think. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just really good with Urshifu in general. It's like all, all the Urshifu decks ever, they all love Birdkeeper. And yeah, this one is not different. And my last question is on a card not in the deck. And I think you've probably been asked this before or you've heard people ask this on Pedro or Tord's stream, but it seems like the 61st card in everyone's mind is Escape Rope. So how... Okay, for those who are listening instead of watching on YouTube or Twitch, <laughs> the look on Robin's face tells me that is not the 61st card. So it's not even... wasn't even a consideration ever. <laughs> <laughs> so why not? Why is Escape Rope not good in this list? I don't know why. Why would you need it? Okay, so I'll I'll try and defend Escape Rope real quick. So some of the reasons why I think Escape Rope could be good in here is you don't have the boss, right? So you hit the Meloetta for seventy. You can Escape Rope instead of boss, so you KO one of the other two prizers. Uh, another big reason is you have that massive hand. A Mew gives you a single prizer you don't want to hit. Although you're probably going to say this doesn't matter now that I've heard the Mew matchup, but. Hoopa Moltres, right? They give you a single prizer and it becomes really awkward. So Rope becomes a pseudo-boss the same turn you Clara, for example. So are these just like... Are you just listening to that and you're like, no, we don't need that? I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you 
played a lot of games, there would definitely be situations where escape rope comes up. And it's it's a good card, right? It's uh, it can also it could help with um, like cheryl plays because right now if you want to like uh, cheryl and retreat in the same turn, you have to have the tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, so escape rope would be like a second out for that, but don't usually need it. And against Mew, they usually uh, have just a second one prizer that they will promote over two prizers. So I don't think it really does uh, the job there. And I know there's just so many cards that I think you would rather... Like, the deck already has enough options. It It's pretty strong. It has uh, basically what it needs to beat the matchups. Uh, so if you want to add something, I would just put in a consistency card instead of another um, option for like random situations. Okay, that makes sense. So everyone listening, cut the escape rope and or stop going into people's streams and asking why they're an escape rope in the list, because I think Robin put it up succinctly there. If you want to add another card, like my next card would definitely be a Brawly, just like for the setup. Uh, because I didn't you, think yeah, that was yeah, coming yeah. at all. <laughs> like you need to keep calling, and Brawly would just be like if you with the turn and keep calling or have to go first. Uh, you still need to keep calling on the second turn usually, but if you had a Brawly in your deck, you could just Drizzle for the Brawly instead, which is a bit easier than getting Sobble into active and attaching the energy. So that would be a really nice. Uh, also, it's just really good to open with a figure second just as well. So that would be my next card to add into the deck. So how often, to go off that, the Sonya. Was the Sonya really just like a double energy search most of the time? Mm, yeah, pretty much. But it, I also used it to get to Pokemon a decent amount of times. Um, but I guess probably would just be better. Like, against Mew, you usually, like, use Sonya to get energy and use, like, uh, uh, Drizzle or Intellion for Quick Ball to get your Moltres and Tupa. Um but in other matchups, you just sometimes randomly draw the Sonya and then just use it. But yeah, if Lady was still in format, then we might play that over Sonya. The amount of cards that you're saying that I'm just like, I am clearly too many steps below as a deck builder to have even thought about these options. But it's nice that Sonya can get Pokemon as well, but it's mainly for the energies. All right, here's, an, here's another. Would Sonya have been better if it was still, uh, what, Roxanne's Research? If you'd get one Pokemon and one energy instead? Or was that never something that would have come up? In that, it's definitely annoying that you can't just combine energies and Pokemon with Sonya. That hasn't annoyed me ever since Sonya, ever since Rebel Clash. It's just, it's literally so, it's just so annoying. But in this deck, it doesn't matter that much because usually, uh, you're fine with taking either, but in general, um, yeah, it would be much nicer if you could just combine those two. For sure. So we've got, it looks like two questions from Twitch chat. Blaine asks, you've already kind of mentioned it, but if you want to elaborate a little bit, Blaine asks, Robin, why so many ties? Yeah, I, I talked about it earlier, right? It's just a combination of many things, like the deck being slow, me not being as fast as I should be, my opponents not being as fast as they maybe should be. It's, uh, yeah. It's, uh, I guess, partly the deck's fault, but also partly my fault. For anyone who's going to Indy or EUIC as your first regional or, I guess, international of the year, 
uh, that's a very realistic thing is these ties. Because if you don't 2-0 each other, then it gets a little sketchy. Yeah. Dunsparce OP asks, predictions for EUIC. So EUIC is in the weird spot, of course, where a lot of people didn't get in. I assume you got in? Uh, yeah, I did. Cool. Not kidding. <laughs> Do you have any predictions for EUIC? Is it still going to be Muse world that we're all living in? Or are we going to go elsewhere? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I, I could see it like suddenly being like an 8 mu or like 7 Muse in top 8. It could happen, I think. But it could also just be a lot of Arceus, maybe some... I, I think there's also like other decks out there that could uh, be good. Uh, I don't think we've seen everything yet. Also, mm, I don't know. Like any, anything could happen, really. It depends on what the like what the top players decide to play, I guess. So you think there's still room for innovations in this format? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the format's actually like. Pretty interesting. There's a lot of, especially with the Italian engine, you can play so much stuff. I love work. Also, you can alter the Italian engine. Uh, it's, I think there's there's a lot of like options and cool decks in the format. And, I mean, it could be just like a mu sweep, but I think it could also just continue like it is right now, with like I don't know one or two mu's in top eight, and then the rest being like some random decks. Anything is possible. Really. This was a question we had last week that we attempted to answer, but I think you're the person I want to hear the answer from. Uh, Professor Pokett asked, do we think Inteleon engines, and you mentioning Inteleon reminded me of this, do you, do you think Inteleon engines are going to go more towards Robin's style of list, which was a bunch of one-ofs, the Peonia, the Palpad, as opposed to the current ones we're seeing, which are still like two of all the major supporters and the research and the Marnies and stuff like that. So do you think was a specific for your deck and it's not going to work elsewhere? Or do you think this is the future of Inteleon engines? Mm. Like, I think in, in general, it doesn't really make sense if people play like Inteleon decks and they play like, I don't know, free research, free money or whatever. I, 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 I didn't mean, why, why would you do it if you can just like play um, slightly different supporters that kind of do the same thing, but they are sometimes just better and that you can just get whenever you like you can just get the right supporter for the situation instead of having like three options because like Drizzle just lets you choose so why not just like play different options i love it last time you were on you talked a lot about how just drawing cards off the top can be so powerful in specific situations i'm pretty sure we talked specifically about erica's hospitality because that was still standard at that point but i assume zinnias has that same feeling of like sometimes you just want to draw cards and keep stuff in your hand yeah, I wish Erika was still in format because Zinnia's discard 2 is kind of rough for most decks. But it's still uh, a good card. And like just discard 2 and draw like 5-6 against most decks is still a, a good effect. But yeah, Erika was was like on another level. <laughs> Erika was a fun card. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I played it in Players Cup 4 in Rowlet Alone Executor, Mewtwo, you know, the Relish, the Grass Box. And it was just like, it was so powerful in some situations because you're just like, I've got Malolana for next turn. I don't want to research this hand. So I'm just going to draw a bunch of cards and set up all the options in the world. That was, that was a fun card. I think Erica would be like a, 
a one of staple, like no questions asked in Intelligent decks right now. Really? See, like you could always just like why would you not play one Erika in your Intelligent deck right now? It just would be so good. I love this because every time I bring up Zinnia in a deck, people are like, no, that thing sucks, even an Inteleon deck, and you're like, Erika, which is yeah, Zinnia is definitely much more sus. Like Zin Zinnia is, is harder to use than Erika, but Erika would be really good at Intelligent decks in general. Zinnia is really good in like the Ushifu deck. And I think she's probably a bit underplayed, but I admit that Zinnia is uh, not the best supporter ever. It's it's fine. So while I've got you, can I also ask you about Ultra Ball then? Just like in general as a card. Is it just like Zinnia where it's incredibly powerful, but for the most part the discard effect is not optimal for a lot of decks because there's so many good cards in format that you don't want to discard? Like why aren't we yeah, seeing Ultra more Ball? Ultra Ball? Ultra Ball is just very deck specific right now. Some decks, of course, just want to play four for sure. And most Italian decks, it's not that good in, I think. That makes sense. Like you just have, you have Incense, uh, you have Level Ball, you have Quick Ball. They are just most of the time better than Ultra Ball. And last question before I let you go. Most important question. If there was not a limit of four cards, how many Sobbles would you play in your deck? Probably like six, seven, <laughs> or eight. I'm not sure. Definitely more than four. <laughs> like at least six. Possibly more. So it's that good. Keep calling is yeah, that I... important. Uh yeah, we've even considered playing um the grass thing, which also has the oh. attack for search free Pokemon. The gospel. Um, because it can also it can also evolve into a thing which uh, into the Elder Ghost which gets you energies. But the oh. problem with that card is that it only had fifty HP, like the little guy. Mm -hmm. So against Mew you couldn't really use it because it, it would always just get KO'd immediately by Ulcurus attack. So that was a bit uh unfortunate. But yeah, like just keep calling or the keep calling equivalent attack is so important for the deck. Love to hear it. I just love keep calling. It's one of my favorite attacks right now. Robin, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to hear more of you, where can they find you? Um, I sometimes write articles on limitless.com. I might write an, I probably will write an article about the tournament and the deck. Um, so like, I don't know. You might see that like sometime next week. Yeah. I'm excited. I'd love to read it. And you're not going to mention it, so I will mention it. Limitless has a Patreon page. <laughs> if you like to check results, get deck lists, you enjoy the online tournaments, please go support them. I am a Patreon. I put my money where my mouth is. Anyone else who enjoys any of these amenities, please go give Limitless some money on Patreon for sure. <laughs> you got to remember to sell it, man. Um, yeah, I appreciate uh, anyone who uh, does that. <laughs> and of course, myself, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Mellow underscore Magikarp. This was a bonus episode, so we'll still have one coming to you on this upcoming Tuesday as well with a very special guest who I'm hoping will introduce a lot of you to someone that you may not know yet. And this has been another episode of the Lake of Rage podcast. We'll catch you all next week.